0: Sweet. Praise be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory to God. Thank you, Father. On this Palm Sunday, we give thanks to God as we prepare our hearts to go deeper in God and with God. Amen. And we can't get there in our own strength. It requires the strength of the Lord, the enabling of God. Hallelujah. In the midst of all that we have been hearing and seeing, the cry of the saints continues to be come, Lord Jesus, come. I said the cry of the saints continue to be, even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. He's worthy, he's worthy of our praise. Hallelujah a disruption will take place for the sound of the trump shall be heard and what humanity has never experienced before the world would witness for coming again, coming again our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ is he's coming again Come, Lord Jesus, come. Can we declare that? Bo Yeshua, Bo. The coming of Messiah can be at any time. There's nothing left on the calendar but his return. And as much as humanity has got a myriad of things that they're going about doing, suddenly they can be a disruption. You and I have been witnessing how only two months ago, or seven weeks ago, possibly, the people in Ukraine were moving around, doing their business. But within a matter of days, and now weeks, man has disrupted what was somewhat peaceful. As I stated before, it's not just what's happening in Ukraine, it's what's happening all around the world. The devil is busy trying to usher people into an eternity. It is our prayer that men and women, old and young alike, will be ushered into an eternity with God. And God has made that possible. That's why we are here yet again reflecting on Palm Sunday, reflecting over this season of Lent. I'd like to take us back to the scriptures like for us to take it up in the, the Gospel of Luke, speaking of Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh to thee as king of kings and lord of lords. We read, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. We're picking the reading up in the 19th chapter of St. Luke's Gospel, the 28th verse. The entire text ought to be read. For the sake of our time within this setting, we'll pick it up here in the 28th verse of the 19th chapter. In a moment, I will give a brief overview as to what this 19th chapter as a whole has to say to us. But it says that Jesus... uh, said to them, as he set himself to go up to Jerusalem, as he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, the 30th verse, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ridden Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road, and when he came there to the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd The whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the thing that makes for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up barricades around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground and you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. These things will come upon you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Praise God. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. But they did not find anything they could do. For all the people were hanging on his words. Praise the Lord. We would read also of Jesus, who invited himself to Zacchaeus' house, uh, and then turned it around. So the host then became the guest. And Jesus is inviting all of us. I said he's inviting all of us to experience a deeper experience with himself. When we were singing earlier that he saw the best in us, uh, I deliberately choose to play that chorus because, like Zacchaeus, who many were looking upon with scorn because he was a tax collector and because of the injustice that tax collectors demonstrated and displayed on the people from whom they collected tax. But Jesus saw something in him that caused him to look up. Zacchaeus climbed that tree curious he was to know more of Jesus when we are curious enough to position ourselves to know more of him he would stop and take note he stopped he took note and he said Zacchaeus you come down from that tree for today I'm going to come dwell at your home what an encounter and today God sees you you that are in this room not only in this room physically here, but you that are in this virtual space, And those of you that will be listening via the podcast, God sees you. You have taken time to hear this message today. He sees you, and he's well aware of those things that you are ashamed of. He's well aware of those things that others are talking about. And he yet loves you. I said he sees that condition. And when others would want to shy away from you, he speaks life to you as he did to Zacchaeus by saying to you, daughter, by saying to you, son, Son, uh, today I'm gonna dwell with you. I'm gonna dwell with you. There is so much already in this 19th chapter that time doesn't permit us to fully unpack it because I'm going somewhere on the, this palm Sunday. I said that Dr. Luke divided this 19th chapter as a three-prong approach. The first I stated is a savior who seeks the loss. The second approach that Dr. Luke gifted this 19th chapter could be that of the master who rewards the faithful. God always rewards faithfulness. Despite what it may appear to be, God will never leave himself undone. He sees you. When no one else sees you, he sees you. It's encouraging when people are around us for us to just want to be on display. But it's when no one is around. It's when no one would choose to follow and to cheer you on. And you purpose still to press in and to go on with God. I'm here to remind you that God who sees you shall reward you. And he will reward you openly. Openly. But we will hasten this afternoon to the third. The third category that this 19th chapter can be divided up into. The first category again. Verses 1 through 10. The Savior who seeks the lost. In verses 11 through the 27th verse, the master who rewards faithfulness. And we will conclude this afternoon by jumping into the third category of this 19th chapter. In these remaining verses, verses 28 through the 48th verse, we will consider the king who offers peace. The king, King Jesus, who offers peace, he's offering peace. But the world would not experience that peace because as we have read in the verses, the people failed to realize the visitation of God in that time. And so peace did not come in a practical sense to the world. What came was chaos. But those who found refuge in God were able to experience a peace that is out of this world. They're able to experience a peace in God, a peace in the heavenlies. Traditionally, today marks the beginning of what this 19th chapter in these verses would unfold. Today, Sunday, is the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. If we were back in the day when this was unfolding, it was the day when people were taking off their cloaks and spreading it on the roadway so that Jesus could ride into town on that donkey. Yes, unlike any other time, Jesus was allowing the masses of people people to declare who he was as he comes into Jerusalem. And then tomorrow, tomorrow Monday in this week, tomorrow Monday is where we would have encountered the cleansing of the temple, where Jesus got into the temple and cleansed it by whipping and just chasing them out because of what was taking place therein. And then on Thursday, yes, there's some controversy with the Jewish leadership that will take place on Thursday debating as we read looking for ways to get rid of this Jesus the history and the context of the scriptures would appear as though he rested somewhat on Wednesday but on Thursday it was preparation for Passover the Jewish days began at midnight So Thursday would have been preparation for midnight when Passover would have begun. And then Friday would be the trial and the crucifixion. Only for Saturday in the tomb and resurrection Sunday. Preparation. The king who offers peace. I want us to note, my sisters and brothers, some subheadings, if you would, or subcategories. Subcategories. Preparation is in verse 28 through 36. The preparation in these verses. And when he had said these things, it encompasses the preparation. The plan was executed quietly. Jesus was hastening the hour, hastening the time. He was going to do things contrary to the religious mindset. I said he was going to do things contrary to the religious mindset because he knew that that is going to put into operation the plan of God that would lead him all the way to Calvary. Praise the Lord. When we think of a donkey, we often would think of that lowly animal. But for the minds of the Jews, it was a beast that was fit for a king. No wonder in 1st King it speaks about the king coming riding on a colt. In 1st King 1 and 33, it says, And the king said to them, Take with you the servants of the Lord and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule and bring him down to Gideon. Today, we would not consider a donkey to take the place that we would often want to put a stallion or a thoroughbred But yet a donkey had a significance. And so we will find preparation. Preparation to go into Jerusalem. Preparation to put into motion that which will bring about uh, the crucifixion. We find not only preparation here, but we find celebration. Verses 37 through the 40th verse gives us insight into the celebration. First, Jesus was fulfilling prophecy by presenting himself as Israel's king. Zechariah 9 and 9 speaks with regards to such. And I noted in Zechariah, Rejoice greatly, O daughters of Zion, and shout aloud, O daughters of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humbly, and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, a fold of a donkey. Praise God. God is a God of details. Even the very here on your head, they are numbered. And the ones that we've lost, he's aware of those too. Because he is that particular about every detail of your life and that of mine. And so Jesus first was fulfilling prophecy. But secondly, in this celebration time, he knew that the commotion and the celebration of the people with regards to who he was and who he is, was going to usher in a response from the religious as well as from the Roman rulership. Jesus, the fullness of time, had come, and he was putting into motion even this celebration There would be no peace, but there would be peace in the hearts and in the lives of those who will trust him. And so we note here, as I close this afternoon, under this third heading of the king who offers peace, preparation, celebration. But that's not all. There was that of lamentation. I said there was that of lamentation. Lamentation, as we would read in the verses, verses 41 through 44. Here, Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. Jesus, can you declare that with me? Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. Thank you, saints of God. The Bible says, and when he drew near and saw the city, Jesus wept. Throughout the scriptures, there's only two accounts of Christ weeping. As you may recall, the first being when he wept with the sister of Lazarus. Because Lazarus was dead. But he delayed his coming so that God would be glorified in the raising up of Lazarus. This is the second time Jesus is weeping. Jesus, as he drew near to the city, he wept over the city. He says, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that makes for peace. Would that you knew that. But now that they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will tear you down to the ground. You and your children, even your children within you, talking about even those that are going to be with child, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. In saints of God, this is where I'm going to close out this afternoon, in the lamentation. Because it's in lamentation, is in this category of lamentation that which our flesh would so readily want to overlook. It's in the lamentation that God speaks and would have us to heed what he is saying. I said God speaks. Jesus found reason or cause for weeping. The problem seemingly with the church to some degree is that we no longer see the cause for weeping for crying out to God to be broken in spirit and in heart before God. What is it that we see? What are you seeing? What is moving you? Jesus saw something or some things, if you would, that caused him to be broken emotionally, to be broken in spirit, that caused him to weep, And saints of God, as I wrestled with this text to bring it before us today, I experienced some headaches and the like because I was seeing even a bigger picture. I see parallelisms in where we are today as a nation, as a people, as a church, and where the people of God were back then. They were excited and ready to celebrate because Jesus is going to Jerusalem. That which they always wanted him to go, to make a change, it was where the big temple indeed was. What is it that is causing us to be broken in spirit and broken in heart? So often we've got plans, we all have plans. You've got plans, I've got plans. We all have plans as to what we wanna to do today and tomorrow and what we're gonna do next week. But have we pause to take into consideration that we may be called to eternity. None of us believe as though today is going to be the last, and yet we don't know. But something caused Jesus to weep. And we must not hastily get past it because we want to go celebrate. We need to pause and to seek an understanding Jesus uh, is weeping because of a reason, of a good reason. He found cause for weeping. Jesus, as he looked back, as he looked back, he saw that there was reason for him to weep looking back. Because looking back, he saw the nation, the nation of Israel. He saw the nation, he saw his people who had wasted the opportunity they have wasted the opportunities and they have been ignorant of their time of uh, visitation. Jesus, possibly, here is weeping because here he is uh, at the age of 33, coming to the close. Uh, of his sojourn on the earth before going to the cross and looking back at least in the three years of ministry that he had with the religious people he can look back and lament over the wasted time because of the visitation that they failed to see. God has visited us and if we're not careful we would be oblivious to the presence of his Holy Spirit and the visitation that is Hours to embrace. Uh, He looked back, and in looking back, in looking back, there were scars for weeping because the nation has wasted the opportunities. They were ignorant of their time of visitation.